We're turning to the Word of God. And we're at Psalm, Psalm 16 this morning. Steering away this morning from the gospel passages because I'm sure a woman rang me last night and she asked me what did I think the best gospel best of the gospels were regarding the resurrection when I give her my opinion I think it's Matthew so she said she would read Matthew and I'm sure that some of you are reading uh, the gospel story and you've been hearing of it off and on so this morning I thought I'd approach it from a different way uh, and at the same time give glory and praise to the Lord. We're at Psalm 16 and uh, I want you to read these verses carefully and keep your Bible open please. We're reading from verse 8 down to verse 11. The psalmist David here says, I have set the Lord always before me. And then he gives the reason. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, those two words are very important in verse 8 and verse 9. Because and therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. And we know that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. This psalm is known as one of the messianic psalms. And it's known as a messianic psalm because of its content regarding the resurrection of Christ in these verses 9 and 10 that we have read. Of all the eight great Old Testament passages on the resurrection, this is probably the greatest of all and the shortest of all. And there's no doubt, of course, 800 years before Jesus came that the psalmist speaking about him. Such a mighty word of God this is we have. 800 years before he was born, the psalmist David is speaking about him. Now we know that from these verses. But we know it also from Peter because in his first sermon in Acts chapter 2, he quotes these two verses, nine, verse 10 actually, he quotes it word for word. And he begins by saying, David speaking concerning him, said, For thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, or suffer thy holy one to seek corruption. And then in Acts 13, Paul 
reiterates the very same verse. And again, the writer to the Hebrews mentions it. Now I want you to look at the psalm, and because under Psalm 16 you have the word miktam. And if you have a reference, it will say a golden psalm. These were, these miktam psalms, there were six of them in all. And every one of them David wrote when he was in a tight corner. Every one of them he wrote when he was in a dilemma, in trouble. And the scholars believe here that he's on the run from Saul and the caves and mountains of Judea when he wrote this Psalm 16. And if you look at verse 1, you will be able to say that's probably right. He says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Verse 2, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extended forever. Now this is no doubt a golden psalm. What does Job say? Job tells us that when we are tried, we shall come forth as gold. And it takes the trials and the corners and the situations and the afflictions of life to bring out the blessing. And these six psalms, if you trace them and study them, they're golden psalms. And I want to say to you that the gold comes out when the dross is removed. And sometimes, my dear believer, this morning, God puts us into the furnace and into the smelting pot in order to bring blessing out of us. So if we dig deep into this psalm this morning as we go along, I believe that we will be enriched because down in the depth of this psalm there's treasures that will be a blessing to our soul. You see, not only does it apply and speak of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, and the resurrected Savior at that, it speaks also regarding David, the pensman, but it also speaks to all of us this morning. It's a wonderful psalm. It's prophetical as far as the Savior is concerned, personal as far as David's concerned, but it's practical as far as we are concerned, both practical, personal, and prophetical as far as we are concerned. So there's treasures in the deep. If you want to feed on them this morning and take something home with you, as we go into this week. Now get your eyes on verse 8. I have set, because as we go down these verses, it will intermingle between the Lord and the psalmist and us. So you just feed yourself on the psalm and apply it to your own heart this, this resurrection day. I have set the Lord always before me. Now, I have written over this the focusing in the text. The word set here is face to face, always, 
continually. The word continually is 53 times mentioned as always continually set before the Lord. See here Spurgeon translates it like this. In every situation, in every condition, in every circumstances, in all company, in all weathers, at one time as well as the other, my face is set continually upon the Lord. Now I have added to that and I have put on it uh, on Sunday and on Monday. On Tuesday and on Wednesday. In sickness and in health. In storms and in tempests and in poverty and in riches and good days and bad days. I keep my eyes fixed upon the Lord. We sung sometimes, I never, we never lose sight of Jesus. But I think that only the perfect servant, our Lord Jesus, can honestly say that. Because remember, David got his eyes off him. And he fell. I many times. And we get our eyes off him at times and we fall. Peter got his eyes off him. David got his eyes off him. We turn our face away at times and we go down. But thank God. And as I look at this congregation this morning and look at my own heart, I can say, thank God. Praise God that the omnipotent hand lifted us and set us back upon the rock. Our Lord Jesus here, his heart was fixed. His face was set as a flint. Demons or devils or hell couldn't stop him. He endured the cross and kept it fixed on the Father and went all the way and finished the work. But not only do we see the focusing here, we see the strengthening here. What's the text again? I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. Now that's the place of power. That's, that's the present position of our Lord just now as we preach the extended Lord. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's at the right hand of power. I love that Psalm 110. I love it because it, it opens up with the, with the Son speaking to the Father. The Lord said unto my Lord. There's a conversation between the Father and the Son. The Lord said unto my Lord, David is saying in the Psalm. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. We all know something this morning of that strengthening power that cometh from above. Don't you? Can't we say often like David said, God girdeth me with strength for the battle? In the storms and in the trials of life, when we have been weary and when we have been down, we have got strength from God. Like Paul, your strength. 
who's made perfect in weakness. He could say, David, like one of all, the battle is not mine, tis the Lord's. He could say, like the Apostle Paul, he could say, Alexander, the coppersmith did me much harm. Nevertheless, the Lord strengthened me. And when men slander us and say things about us, and I don't know what Alexander the coppersmith said about Paul, for he didn't say He said, the Lord strengtheneth me. How often have you been exhausted in the battle? How often have you dealt with situations or things have come upon your life that you just were weary of and you couldn't handle them? And you look back over the years and maybe not all that long and you say, I don't know how I got through that. Well, the Lord was at your elbow. He was at your right hand. He was beside you. I had a terrible problem with the tobacco after I got saved. I smoked for the guts of 12 months after I was saved. Well, I used to joke about a good bit of the time because I was telling people who were saved and then I couldn't very well be smoking and tell people who were saved. So I used to joke about when I was in the depot, as it was then, and then I was still in the training centre, I was telling, telling them there that I was saved. And I was saved. No doubt about it. I never doubted my salvation a minute. I used to go into the toilet to smoke and a wee brother and boy, a young brother and boy come in one day. He says, I thought you were saved. I says, I am. And I was. But I had an awful job with the tobacco. No problem with the drink. No problem with the wildlife. No problem with the dirty tongue. No problem with anything. Oh, but the tobacco. And do you know why that was? One of the reasons was, I never remember a time I didn't smoke. My father bought me a wee pipe when I was about five or six. And he, the men working about the farm and on the lorry used to put the wee end of the butts of the cigarette down. It was a wee hole and you put it down into it. And I used to sit with my legs crossed smoking the pipe. And then when I got up, I got a crooked pipe. So I never knew a time when I didn't smoke. It did an awful hold on me. Now it wasn't that the Lord couldn't break it. And the Lord did break it. Do you know the wonder of the ways he broke it? When I went to Lurgan in January 1971 as a, as a young constable, there was a, a policeman there and he had many, many years service and he was an ungodly, very critical of Christians. He used to mock them. Long gone. When he knew what I stood, but I told people where I stood, even though with the tobacco... One day this fellow was up in High Street and he was doing the beat up High Street and he felt, he felt something under his foot and he lifted it up and it was, it was a pencil. Do you know what it said in the pencil? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He put it in his pocket he brought it back to the guard room and the old police station and he watched for me and whenever I came along he says, I have something for you. 
He was doing the devil's work. But he was doing the Lord's work. He didn't know that. A lot of boys doing the devil's work, but it's the Lord's work. And he thought he'd get a crack at me. So he said, I have something for me to see. Found that up in High Street there when I was up on the beat. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. God spoke to me through that. And I got the victory. You can get the victory this morning, you know. For you can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth. He'll strengthen you this morning. Give him a chance. Give him an opportunity. Cast those things away, man. And trust God. But there's not only the focusing and the strengthening, and the, there's the protecting here. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved or shaken. That's a military word. That means he'll stand guard. Listen to Psalm 109 and 31. He shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those who condemn him. He's our bodyguard this morning. (laughs) I'll tell you, God only knows what he has protected you from last week. And then he says, I'll not be moved. He's anchored. Friend, get a hold of this this morning as we go down to what we're going to preach on. Get a hold of this. You see the focusing? You see the strengthening? You see the protecting? You see the anchoring? I'll not be moved. Then he says in verse 8 and verse 9, because, therefore, he's focused, he's strengthened, he's protected, he's anchored, he bursts out and overflows in praising. What's he praising about? He's praising because he's focused on the Lord. He's praising because he's strengthened. He's praising because he's protected. He's praising where he's anchored. But he's praising him for more than that, as you'll see as we come to a close. See verse 9? My heart is glad and my glory rejoices. See verse 11? And thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand. Thy presence forevermore. Gladness, glory, joy, fullness of joy. What has got into this man? What does this man see? This fellow's running on the mountains. He's maybe in the cave of Dullam. Saul's men are maybe closing in on him. And he pans this. He says, I will be glad. I will rejoice. I will praise. I'll pleasure forevermore at his right hand forevermore. I will praise him. That should be the continual state of you and I this morning. Especially this morning. We're supposed to be a rejoicing people, a happy people. Not just when we get to the glory, but now. Nothing has changed in this man's life. He's hunted and hunted. Nothing has changed. Remember the Apostle Paul when he was in prison, waiting to be beheaded and knew it. Philippines. Last thing he wrote, he's going out, he's going out, they're going to behead him. He's going to die, walk across the guillotine, he's going to go down, cut his head off. He says, rejoice again, I say, rejoice. Nothing has changed. 
Why did the martyrs, why did the martyrs sing and praise above the roar of the fires and the crackling of the thorns? How is it that our Lord Jesus, he stood at the gate of Gethsemane, sang a hymn? I tell you, my friend, what it is. But I'll tell you, first of all, what it's not. This is not some emotional, psychological happening. This is not some hour of entertainment. Let us view them up for a little while and gee them up. Oh no. This is not something happening in life that has injected a shot of joy into him for a while of a day or for a day. This is not some financial gain that's come his way or some good news about his health or his family. This is not the joy on a Friday before the bank holiday. He hasn't passed his exams. He hasn't won the lottery. He hasn't got a new house. He hasn't got a new car. He's still fleeing on the mountain. No change. It's nothing to do psychologically. I'll tell you what it is to do with doctrinally. Doctrinally, he says, my heart is glad and I praise the Lord. Look at the end of verse 8. And my glory rejoices and my flesh also shall rest in hope. He could look down through the centuries. He could look by faith down to the ages. He could see that there was hope after death way back then. He could see that he's not going to leave his soul in hell, even though they kill him, even though Saul pierces him with the javelin, even though the men of Saul crucify him, no matter what to do with him, he knows, I'm not going to hell. I tell you, that's his faith. He, 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 he had faith to believe in the resurrection. I'm not going to be left without hope. This old body of mine is not going to rest without hope. Oh, no. My friend, this is what should make us happy this morning. This should make us joyful this morning. This is what should make the Christian sing and shout this morning. That death doesn't end it. Doesn't end it. All these other things are just smattering things for a moment. Happenings. Happening. As it happens to be. We are not depending on happening, happiness, happenings. We're depending on holiness. Whether we get a new car or get a new job or get to win the lottery or whatever else, whatever does matter. All these things are fleeting and passing. The psalmist here in the depth of this psalm. This is the golden psalm, my friend. This is the, de- the treasures that's coming out of this psalm. You can say, my body 
And then watch what he says about the Savior. Watch what he And only this applies to the Savior, by the way. You see no man but Jesus only on the end of this verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. How did he know that? Don't you know that corruption sat in on the fourth day, don't you? Don't you know that Lazarus was stinking on the fourth day? Our precious body of my Lord was not corrupted. Thou shalt not suffer. Father God, you will not suffer. You're holy one, and there's only one holy one. You'll not suffer him to see corruption. He'll, be, he'll beat it. He'll be out before corruption. He'll be out on the third day. Is it any wonder he's glad? Is it any wonder he's rejoicing? Is it any wonder he's talking about pleasures forevermore? His heart, oh, I'd love to be where he was at this moment when this truth dawned on him. He's living centuries the other side of the cross. He had only a few Old Testament scriptures if he had any. We have the four Gospels this morning. We have Acts. We have 14 epistles. We have the Revelation. And we still can't praise him this morning. Hundred and four times in the gospel, in the gospels, we're told about the Lord's resurrection. Twenty-one time in Acts. Ten times. Listen, ten times to nine different people in nine different places. In 40 days, he appeared. And the 500 at the one time. Every track was covered. Oh, hey, Mary, she was hallucinating. She didn't see the risen Christ. Peter, she you couldn't believe Peter. And then boys in the upper room, they concocted all this. Thomas wasn't there. They concocted the rest of them, the first day. But then the Lord says, I'll cover all this thing. So we appeared to 500 at the one time, so they're all mad. No, you just have to go back into this psalm, my friend, to see that we're dealing with this morning. One of the greatest truths that ever hit men or women, that because he lives, we live, justified through the resurrecting power of God, and our bodies, our old bodies, will not stay in the dust. When the trumpet sounds, they shall come up and they shall come out. Oh, I the will. So we can put that loved one in the Lord into the grave and rest in hope. Resting in hope. Oh, God help us. Man, if he wouldn't have died and rose again, we'd be in some state this morning. We'll be hearing a bit about that tonight. Resting in hope. <laughs> the psalmist says, I'm glad and I'm rejoicing this morning because I'm resting in the hope and the joy and the knowledge 
And because Christ died and rose before corruption got into him and he lives, I will live also. Man, the psalmist could say it. And I'll tell you what more. Go way back before the psalmist. Go way back to the book of Job, the oldest book in the canon of Scripture. Comes in somewhere about Genesis 10 or Genesis 11. Before any of the sacrifices, you'll not read anything about the sacrifices, the Old Testament law or sacrifices in the book of Job because there's way before all the other books you will. But way back in the book of Job, the first book that we have in the canon of Scripture, what did Job say? And he was covered with, he was covered from top to bottom with boils and sores, and he had lost his family and lost his farm and lost his family, lost the whole thing. He's lying there. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Where'd that come from? He says, I know. Do you know that this morning? Can you honestly say from your heart this morning, I know. God help us if we're living this side of the cross in 2020 and we don't know it. There'll be no excuse for us. I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand on the last day upon the earth. That hasn't even happened yet. Job saying this before he... What was it? 1,800 years ago? Before that? Something around there. He says he's going to stand upon the earth. That hasn't happened yet. Well, it's going to happen, you heard it the other night. He's going to stand upon the earth. Though after my skin, listen, after my skin, worms destroy this body. And how worms will destroy this body, Job says. And the will. Depends on where you're set into the grave. For some places, I tell you, they don't last long till the worms have them gone. But listen to what he says now. And worms shall destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Why would that be? Because you're going to get a new body. This is the resurrection in the Old Testament. Praise him this morning. Don't be afraid to be Pentecostal for one morning. Not only has David this faith for himself, but every Old Testament saint from Adam that died. Now, I'm not going into this this morning. You can go into it. Look at the first part of verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in Hades. Now some think, and the best of scholars think, that after, of course Peter tells us this, that after the resurrection he went down into the disembodied spirits of the saints who died before the cross. And Peter says he preached unto them. When our Lord Jesus Christ rose, he went first of all down to the Old Testament spirits of the saints. Because they couldn't be released until the blood was shed. They couldn't get into heaven till the blood was shed. He led captivity captive. He led them out. Every man that died from Adam in Christ, he went down and he declared, finished. 
And he brought them out. And before you go to bed tonight, read Psalm 24. Think of it as I close this morning. The great Psalm 24. He declared unto them redemption. He declared unto them it's finished. He declared unto them the price is paid. The way has been opened up. He could say to the thief, Today, today, shalt thou be with me in paradise? And all the Old Testament saints with him. Psalm 24, read it when you go home. Listen to it. All the cherubims and seraphims and all the hosts of heaven come out to the battlements of heaven in Psalm 24. Psalm 22 is the psalm of the cross. Psalm 23 is the psalm of the shepherd, of of the crook. Psalm 24 is the psalm of the crown. Don't read them psalms out of joint. Read them together. The cross, the crook, and the crown. Here's a golden nugget for you now as we close. All the, all the hosts and myriads of heaven, angels and seraphims and cherubims, come out to the battlements of heaven after he cried it is finished, after he ascended on the, on the, after the 40 days, after he ascended, and what did they say? Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And you study that and you'll see how many times gates is mentioned. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty. And four times in four verses he says, lift up the gates. Five times he says, they say, they shout, the King is coming. The King is coming. The King is coming. The King is coming. Open the gates. Let him in. Back from the battle he comes with all his victors. Hallelujah. The thief had <laughs> glory to God. And they're all in. And millions have gone in since. They couldn't have gone in till the blood was shed. They couldn't have got in till he cried, It's finished. And that's what we're on the night. Finished! Done over. What was finished? Well, you'll hear the night. There were quite a lot of things finished. Glory to God. Is it any wonder he's rejoicing? Is it any wonder he's glad? I haven't time this morning, but you know, there's the fullness, there's the faith, there's the future. Thou will show me the path of life. Now listen, listen, friend. We're not going to sing. Listen, listen to me this morning. If you trust him with your soul's salvation this morning, if you believe what the psalmist believed, even you have not only the psalmist had, not comparing what you have in the cross and after. If you believe this morning that you're going to die. And your body's going to go to the dust if he doesn't come. And the trumpet shall be sound and you shall be taken out. And he will not leave your soul in hell. You believe that this morning. You do believe it. 
You wouldn't be saved if you wouldn't have faith to believe that this morning, but then you don't have faith to trust him for the morrow, tomorrow. I will, I will show you the path of life. Just hold tight now. Some of you are wondering what you're going to do tomorrow, what, what you're going to do next week. Wondering about the future, some of you young people. Listen. He that has done all this, he that can keep you for all eternity and save your soul in a minute of time and give you hope beyond the grave, can he not keep you tomorrow? Can he not show you the path? The path? Path? There's a path for you, you know. The path that you're going down life is not the path I'm going down. And you need to find out from before you go any further. Did you ask him about where you live? Did you ask him about your job? Did you ask him about a partner in life? I will show you the path of life. And then my presence, not only up there, but down here, is fullness of joy. Full of joy. Is that you this morning? Full of joy. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that you led captivity captive. We thank you what Paul could say in Ephesians. That he brought us out. He descended into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive. Oh, we bless thee, our God, that one day we shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Praise you, praise you, Lord, that we have no fear of death. Praise you for the blessed hope of our great God and Saviour. Thank you, Lord, for showing the psalmist in the midst of all this affliction and trouble these truths, these mighty truths that haven't even all been fulfilled yet. We just thank you for your word. And we thank you for your people. And we pray, Lord God, that in the trial and in the trouble and in the distress, but we'll come forth as gold and see things from God that had never seen in any other way. Bless those that must go and those of us who remain. For Jesus' sake, amen.